you would open up your copy of God's Word to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and I'll tell you, church, it's always sweet as a pastor to hear when God's people are lifting up prayers to God the Father. It is always sweet as a pastor when he hears the turning pages of Scripture, of God's Word. And as my head was bowed over here just a moment ago, it's so sweet to hear literally the moving of feet of God's people. Not because there's money connected to this, but because of your faith and who God is and what He's calling us to in Restore. And I just praise God and I thank you people for trusting Him in this, my friends, my family. So the copy of God's Word says that I have, according to God's Word, the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. We're looking at verses 2 to 8 this morning. It says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make His paths straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to Him and were being baptized by Him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locust and wild honey. And he preached saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God, thank you that we have truly encountered your presence already through the fellowship of one another and the Spirit dwelling within us. Thank you, Father, we've encountered your presence through worshiping, through song, through offering prayers, through walking and offering commitment cards to You. We look forward now to encountering Your presence through the proclamation of Your Word, especially in spite of who I am. So we ask that You speak clearly, that You impact our lives, that we would be better united as a mission front leaving this place today for the week ahead, all for Your glory. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We continue the first chapter of Mark, and if you remember the overarching theme of this book, the Gospel according to Mark, is a call to followers of Jesus Christ to have a faithfulness to the King at all costs. And having a faithfulness to the King at all costs means there is a story to tell. When we looked at verse 1 just last week, Mark's story is this Gospel account. He had Jesus Christ showcased to him as he accompanied Paul through the missionary journeys, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows. He had Jesus showcased to him when he accompanied Peter throughout the um, capital city, Rome, of the entire Roman Empire. And based on the Jesus showcased to Mark, he then had a story to share, and that is this gospel account according to Mark. And now we come to verses 2 and 8, and we have the introduction of another. His name, John. And as Baptists familiar with this story, our hearts just puff up inside of our chest cavity. We swell with pride because here is our man, John the Baptist. 
And there's even the plural, you all, in there. So we know he's Southern Baptist as well. (laughs) There's this following called Landmarkism. Group of believers who trace back this lineage and an unbroken chain of truth that was held all the way back to John the Baptist, where they say, the Catholics have Peter and we've got John the Baptist. Ain't that a load of crock, guys? (laughs) On both sides, equally. Those are just two examples of embarrassing ways in which we choose to cling to dead religious tradition rather than embracing revealed truth through relationship with God Almighty. And we come to Mark chapter 1, the verses 2 to 8, and we have this messenger, and his name is John, but never, in my Greek translation at least, do I see John the Baptist, which I know it would be a lot cooler if it did, but it's actually a participle. He's always described based on the activity he's about. It's not John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. He was baptizing folks. And the literal understanding of this all throughout Scripture, baptizo, always means to be dipped and immersed. That's why we practice full immersion, because it's representation of being fully dipped in, not sprinkled, not at a young age, doing it without being aware of what's going on, but someone choosing based on the faith they have to be fully immersed under the water, showing this physical representation of a burial, then resurrecting to a newness of life. John the Baptizer. It says here in Mark chapter 1 that there was a lot of stories about him. Over 400 years before he was born, ever came on the planet Earth, there were prophecies about him. He came with a message to people who had, for whatever reason, embraced dead religious tradition. If you remember, it's found right between Matthew, if you go to the left, and right between Malachi. The fancy word, intertestamental period. Intertestamental. You can go to work this week and ask a coworker, hey, can I tell you what intertestamental means? Literally means it's the time period between both testaments. Remember, Scripture, don't overcomplicate things. The Old Testament, this is the old testimony of who God is and how He operated with His creation. Not old because it's going to be cast out, but it's just the time frame when it was delivered. The previous testimony. And then the New Testament, we have a new testimony of God. Not a new to replace the old, not a new testimony of God to abolish the old, but a new testament exactly how Jesus described while on this earth, one to come and complete the old testimony. One to come and give a fullness to the old testimony so that there might be hope outside of legalism, outside of the old covenant of the law. And in this intertestamental period between Malachi and Matthew, 400 years, generation after generation, where God's people heard not a word from God. Those familiar with Scripture know in the Old Testament, the previous testimony, God operated in a number of ways in which He communicated His message to His people, be it through different visions, be it through different signs and wonders, be it through crazy animals. Read the King James Version. That's fun to read out loud in life group class. He also spoke through prophets. Isaiah and Malachi were two of those prophets where God's words were coming through these men, through these men of God as mouthpieces, delivering God's message as good as God speaking Himself. And the message is what's referenced here in Mark. Isaiah and Malachi. Behold, I send my messenger before your very face. And here's what He's going to do. He's going to prepare 
your way. For what? He's going to make His paths straight. Now that's curious. Or to me it is. Hopefully it is to you in just a moment. Who's His in that reference? Is there someone in need of making our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ path straight? Or are His ways crooked and we need to straighten them out? Are they wide and we need to make them narrow? No, this man, John the Baptizer, in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, things spoken about him through the mouthpiece of prophets from God himself 400 years before he ever walked on this earth, his purpose and his message was come and share the message of repentance. He had a message for God's people who had embraced a dead religious tradition because throughout the 400 years of not hearing from God, They chose, rather than to rely upon the revealed truth of the previous testimony, the Old Testimony, they continued to grow up in their legalism, continued to grow up in their heritage, their history, their tradition, and as a result, forsook the relationship they had found through the revealed truth of God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. And so John the baptizer comes on the scene, and he has this message of repentance, not one to straighten out the ways of Jesus, the way it may seem this prophecy reads out, but one who comes to the wilderness to reveal to mankind, here is the straight path to have reconciliation with God. It is through repentance. Metanoia is the Greek phrase. John appeared, verse 4, baptizing in the wilderness. That was the activity he was doing, John the baptizer. And the message he was proclaiming, baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I, I want to share with something I, I've done in my own copy of Scripture here, and you'll, you'll find it helpful as we get to the completion of today's message. Baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now you can have a variety of translations there. One is baptism of repentance for remission. This is an easy way to remember things. Repentance for remission. Or another way to look at it is faith for forgiveness. Repentance for remission or faith for forgiveness. The reason I make that point is because metanoia, that word for repentance, it's not action-oriented. We may think it is because it's associated with John the baptizer who's out in the wilderness with camel hair and a waist. He's got nappy hair and he's eating locusts and he's eating wild honey. And imagine, you know what happens. Once you eat food, you begin to smell like the food you eat. That is not a pleasant sight whatsoever. He's in the wilderness dunking these people and baptizing them. But the message he's proclaiming to them as the straightest path to God Almighty and reconciliation and having restoration and hope is not something of activity, but a change of mind. A change of heart. Metanoia, two words combined to make one. After and mind. Not action oriented, but coming to a place where you believe something about one thing, but as a result of hearing the truth revealed to you, you're now making a reversal of perspective and changing your mind's direction. Changing the trajectory of your heart toward a certain revealed truth. And John is calling them, as he's baptizing them in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And now perhaps you're at a point of confusion in the message because I'm talking about something of the heart, not of action. I'm saying he's coming to strip them and rid them of their practicing of dead religious tradition and go to something that is real and revealed truth and relationship. But it says he's... He's doing this 
action for forgiveness. He's baptizing for, repent, or for remission of sin. How do we reconcile that? You go to Acts 2, 38. The very same language is used. They, they ask him, what shall we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized. I'm so confused. I thought Jesus' works on the cross were enough. Well, here's the best illustration I got. I've shared it with you before, and it's worth resharing, church. Trust me. Consider the phrase, I went to the store for my wife. Hey, honey. Think about that. I went to the store for my wife. There's a number of ways you can understand that, interpret that. One over here. Y'all will be dark today. You'll be negative. You'll be evil, okay? I went to the store for my wife. That might mean that as a man, I'm planning to go down to H-E-B or wherever I think the majority of single women may be, and I'm going up and down the aisles of produce and fruits. I'm going down the aisles where I know the, the least amount of men will be, but I go where I think the, the largest number of single women will be, and I go to H-E-B all with the objective of obtaining my wife. Do you think that's what I mean when I say, hey, I went to H-E-B for my wife? No, you'd be like, man, we've got a wild pastor. I didn't know that's what they practice in the Philly household. But looking at grammar, looking at that phrase, that is truly, accurately, with integrity, how you can interpret that. I went to the store for my wife with the objective of obtaining, through that activity, my companion. Or on the other end, see, I got you in the light, honey. Okay, this is where my family is. We're on the good side here. I went to the store for my wife may mean something totally different. That out of a covenant relationship I have with her as my helpmate designed by God, out of a relationship already existing that I have with her, I went to H-E-B for her because of a relationship I have with her. And because our relationship is so sweet and so romantic and just so awesome, I did not go to the pickup line where I called it in. I walked up and down the aisles for her. And I put it in a basket for her. And I took the kids with me for her. See, there's two ways. There, we can clap that up. Yes, sir. And I'll ask for forgiveness later because I've not done that in a while. I went to the store for my wife. See how that's totally opposing views, but the same phrase. And truly, honestly, it's two different ways you can interpret that phrase. Now go to the scripture. Acts 2.38, be baptized, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. John the Baptist, baptizing for the, repent, for the remission of sin. What's going on here? Is there something taking place in the baptismal waters with the objective of obtaining something? Hoping the water's pure enough? Hoping the water's warm enough? Hoping things are just right to accomplish that? Or, based on what we know through the totality of Scripture... Is the activity of baptism showing something that is already in, in existence? A demonstration based on an existing relationship that someone has with resurrected Jesus. Based on the totality of Scripture, even through these confusing phrases, what we have, church, is that people go to be baptized only because they've already repented in faith and have an existing relationship with Jesus Christ. And never go be it to the River Jordan or to the waters of the city of Katy here at Katy's First. They never go there with the objective of obtaining salvation, but only to physically demonstrate an existing relationship that's already been secured through Jesus Christ as Savior.
So back to the very beginning of the New Testament. John the baptizer, the last prophet of the Old Testament, the very first prophet of the New Testament. He is baptizing in the wilderness, in the River Jordan, and he's sharing this message, repent for the remission of sin. It's baptism that leads to a physical representation of the salvation that's already happened. It's repentance, one of faith that leads to salvation. So John burst on the scene, and he's calling them all to the wilderness. It's, it's hard for us to understand this day and age, but verse 5, it says, All the country of Judea, all Jerusalem, were going out to him. I have no idea how they determined this, but um, there's been scholars who said more than 300,000 were baptized at the hand of John the baptizer. It's hard to believe, why were so many going out there? Well, they were in the silent period of 400 years, generation after generation, and finally the silence was broken, and they had heard, there's a messenger of the Lord in the wilderness, we have to go see what his message is, and he proclaimed it, it's a message of repentance, that if you want a straight path to God, if you want to know how to get there, and you've been waiting 400 years to hear something of this, it is through repentance. So they all went out there, as it says, Judea, Jerusalem, they all went out there to be baptized, straight to God, and John had this story to share. We make fun of his attire at times, but it really epitomizes the message he had, doesn't it? Think about the context, the, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the high church, so to speak. Those, those in power with authority were lording their dead religious tradition over the people of God. So John said, I'm going to get to the very opposite end of that spectrum and I'm going to strip myself of everything in this world and all the material possessions I have. I'm going to the wilderness and being this physical representation of repentance and calling on the people of God to strip themselves of dead religious tradition and embrace the relationship through the revealed truth of Jesus Christ. That's the story John the baptizer had to share. This morning, I don't know what your story is to share. Last week it was simply based on the grace extended to us and us going out, literally even that afternoon, having five teams go out and share the gospel based on Jesus who was showcased to us. But how does the story that you're called to share today look based on stripping yourself of dead religious tradition? I don't know what that is. Maybe it's a weekly basis coming in here hoping the music is just right to meet your fancy. Maybe you love the children be up here. Maybe, maybe you hated it because it was a distraction to you. Maybe having a box here for people to physically walk down the aisle and put pieces of paper in just totally turned you upside down today. And you were holding to something physical that now has completely altered and distracted the spiritual potential God had desired for this morning. Part of the story God calls you to share what dead religious tradition do you need to strip yourself of? But it goes without saying as well in the context of the story, John the baptizer. Some of you here this morning, you already have that existing relationship. You've already walked the aisle. You've already said a prayer. You have Jesus in your heart. You know that you have repented in faith. You have reversed your way of thinking and you've come in agreement with who Jesus Christ is. Based on what Christ has done for you, as we'll see next week, Jesus going to the waters of baptism and raising up a newness of life as a representation of what we're called to, you are still called to follow through a believer's baptism. 
And I've got to think, in a crowd like this, there's some of you here today who would say, I'm a believer on God. I'm called to be faithful to the King at all costs, but for whatever reason, I've not followed through with believer's baptism. That is a story God is calling you to share through the waters of baptism. Not so you can further secure and give you a greater confidence in salvation, but maybe on November 17th, it's so that you can be up there and you can invite a family member or you can invite a coworker or a classmate who would have no other excuse to come into church other than you invited them to see your baptism and you can physically demonstrate what Savior Jesus has done for you and what is also available to them should they come to a faith-based repentance. And there's others of you here this morning as well. You've heard these stories. You gather with us weekly. But you don't have any confidence should you die today where your eternity rests. And that's where there's even more interesting perspective on this word metanoia. It says, John was talking a baptism of repentance. You can go to Acts 2.38. You can see, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin. But you can also go to the last days in which Jesus Christ was on this earth to Judas Iscariot. Remember Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed our Savior? He did it for some silver, some silver coins to betray the Savior of the world. And it said after the Scripture says the same word used for repentance, it says when Judas Iscariot realized what he had done, he had a change of mind. And as a result of that change of mind, he cast back the silver he was given as payment for handing over Jesus. And some of you here have heard these stories about Christ, but you've never come to a place of faith-based repentance that leads to salvation. And the reason I share the story about Judas is the fact here, guys. He had a change of mind, but his change of mind led to casting the silver back. But the reality is, based on the grace of Jesus... If Judas came to a place even in that moment, in his change of mind, his change of heart, to cast not the silver back, but cast himself upon the mercy seat of God and say, Lord, I now believe that even your grace is sufficient to forgive me, handing over your very son. Through that faith of repentance, there would have been restoration. Through that faith of repentance, there would have been hope. And there are some of you here today. You've been casting so many things aside. You've been having a change of mind of so many things. Maybe it was a very change of mind, a degree of a change of mind that gets you in the seat on Sunday mornings, thinking, well, if I just go to church, I'll have a better week. That's dead religious tradition. And until you cast your full life unto Jesus and believe on the mercy He offers you, through relationship with Him as your Savior, you will never find satisfaction or a purpose in this life. So right now, I want to pray for us. And I want you to ask God personally, based on His Spirit moving among us, what's the story you're called to share right now? What is part of that story? God, is it stripping a piece of dead religion from our lives? God, is it trusting you that based on all you've done for us, 
We can't help but demonstrate believers' baptism because we've been born again. Father, is there someone here this morning who's had change of mind after change of mind, but never a change of mind with heart based on faith in Jesus? God, just as Mark shares, the whole countryside came out and they were baptized and they were confessing their sin. God, we come to a place right now and we too confess. We come in agreement with what you say about yourself and what you say about us, that we are sinners in need of a Savior and that should we trust in the righteousness you provide for us, we will escape judgment. God, if there's someone here who has never trusted in the righteousness of Jesus to be exchanged for their own sinfulness, may they be prompted to step out in faith and trust that today. And for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that you continue to strengthen our own stories that you're calling us to share based on Jesus, showcase to us the truth that we have been bought by his blood, the truth that an exchange happened where he who was righteous died in place of us who were filthy, condemned as enemies, deserving of eternal hell. We give this time to you, Father. We pray that's an acceptable offering to you and that you would use it to strengthen us as followers of Christ, faithful to the King. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I invite you to stay in church at this time.